my people, you hit the play button of our podcast that will introduce to you another interesting person from Divine Naples. This time we have old-timer that will share stories about life in Naples as a teenager in 60s and 70s and as a businessman right after. You will hear names of people that build the city what we have today as Divine Naples. Sponsor of the show is BeachSOS.com. Anything you need on the beach delivered to you, just go to BeachSOS.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome all Divine people. You are listening to another podcast episode, People of Divine Naples. This episode is number 426 and today we have a very special guest that is deeply rooted in this city as a businessman, surfer, car lover, philanthropist, family man and as a part-time Santa Claus. I guarantee you that everyone's seen his name every single day, but no one knows his story. Here is my dear friend, very patriotic, Donald Devon. That, that was my intro? Yeah, well, I... Who, 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 who's this guy you're talking about? I don't I don't think I know him. Well, it was the, probably the <laughs> least I can say, but let's just remind people that uh, you are big person, not that uh, visually, but uh, in, in, That's the true. in the community. Um, Cadillac dealership, Buick dealership, GMC, Subaru, and many more before. That's where your name is on the building. And uh, you're proudly serving community for uh, maybe, what, 60 years now? Since 1968, April of 1968. So what is it? Oh, we got to do the math, uh, you know, like <laughs> like right now. Um, let's see, probably, is it 54 years? I was just testing you because it's late night. You were complaining <laughs> yeah, sleepy. Yeah. I'm feeding you with coffee and croissant, as uh, your favorite here in our Divine Naples Coffee Wine Bar. And... Uh, I just wanted to know if you were celebrating, if you, you know. If yeah, you know. it's 54 years working on 55. Yeah, there you go. So, big celebration of year. Um, we did a celebration at 50. Well, um, I, you, know, I don't, you know, plans right now for a 55th kind of an anniversary, uh, probably we'll do something. But uh, I think the 50th was a big one. So, half price cars next year. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> not. Not so much. Well, I'm really happy we finally made it here, and I've been promising uh, you that you will be the first uh, uh, host, uh, you know, in our in our studio. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we, you said, you said you claustrophobic a little bit. Yeah, you said you brought. You know, this is your new big studio, the larger version, and I'm going. Well, if this is the larger version. Are you familiar with the size of a phone booth? <laughs> that must have been the prior. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We are very limited with space. We have uh, we have all kind of different things around us, and this is the space that was uh, that was uh, you know given to us. Well, it's not that big, but it's intimate. Well, it, it, it at least doubles the size of the phone booth. Uh, yeah, you know, it's an yeah. improvement. But we like it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just uh, you know, feel like a home and uh, enjoy your croissant, enjoy your coffee, and let's talk. Okay. Yeah. And I have so many questions I want to ask you. Oh, and, dang. Uh, I hope you're ready. Because, I have not uh, many answers. Please, you know. don't, don't fall asleep because uh, we have a long way to go. <laughs> yes, sir. And um, I just want to say, did ever anybody tell you you look like Santa Claus? Well, the last couple of years, uh, maybe sometime in September, October, I would start. I have a beard normally. It's white. Um, and I would start growing it longer as we got closer to Christmas, hoping that, eh, driving down the roads, you know, stopping at a stoplight, there's you know, kids looking at you from another car, and you kind of give them the ho, 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 and 
you know, they think I'm Santa Claus. That's kind of cool. I, if I ever get any present for Christmas, I would like you to be the one deliver. Yeah, well, I got grandkids think I'm Santa Claus. That's kind of cool. <laughs> My I kids just... thought I was Santa Claus till they got old enough to know that I wasn't. Well, wait a minute. Now they still, I'm saying, uh, they're. This is like they were in cut. Never mind. You have a big family. Did you, I do. Did you grow up? You grew up in Naples, right? I mean, you. I know the story, but let's just let's just go back. You been born and uh, until what? Five year, five year, nine year. Well, so I was actually born at Fort Eustis, Virginia. My dad was in the army. Um, I, you know, I was six months or eight months old when he uh, mustered out, went back to Indiana, and then we moved to Naples from Indiana in 1962, the summer of '62. We had visited prior to that because my grandma lived in Fort Lauderdale. We come down to see her. Uh, I think two or three times we came over to Naples, and that's kind of how my parents fell in love with it. But we moved here full time in '62. I started fifth grade. My fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Alexander, um, Lake Park School, uh, not the sa- same location Lake Park is now, but you know, entirely different school. And I don't know. That's when we got here. You know what? I, I admire in you. You still remember all the names. You just shooting names left and right every time we have a conversation. <laughs> and sometimes I have the feeling like I'm, I, I met these people. You know, it's just I can imagine how they look like, and uh, just all kind of different names that you remember. It's, it's really interesting. Now let's go back to 1962. What was your first feeling? Do you remember the, the first feeling? You, you know, you arrived to Naples, probably in famous Tamiami Trail. It was built freshly, or you know, just the Naples was nothing. Can you tell us how the city? You know, uh, like city, that time probably village, uh, looked like, and, and what do you thought about it? Well, I, you know, I'm nine. I turned 10 that September, and I guess the couple of things I really remember vividly, the Jungle Larry sign, which back then was Caribbean Wonder Gardens, um, had a big toucan, uh, it was ginormous, uh, still in the same spot that it is today as Jungle Larry's. And you had that little road that ran down to it, and it was it was a very cool place. I remember that, and it was all woods on either side. Um, Lake Park had woods bordering on it on on two sides with the railroad tracks behind it. And Naples was a small town; everything was two lane roads. Uh, the four lane downtown started at Seventh Avenue North, um, and it quit at the bridges crossing the Gordon River. It went back to two lanes there. It was small, lots of open space, lots of lots. You know, not many houses built. Um, and most of the houses that were were built were, you know, had been there for years. We moved into a house in Coquina Sands. Um, one of my neighbors was Kurt Newman, lived across the street. Um, and, and Creighton Road, uh, where the pump house is today, there on Creighton. And I forget the name, Orchid, I think, is that road. Um, it turned to dirt past that, and or shell. And that was the beginning of the moorings. And Milton Link lived... Had built a house, the first house I think, maybe in the moorings. That was, uh, you know, like one block up from us. And he had a had a boy, whose name I think was Jeff. He threw a dirt clot at me, hit me in the eye, filled my eye with dirt. Had to have my mom wash it out. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that pretty good. Anyway, we had we had fun kids in the neighborhood. Roger Morris, his dad was a dentist, lived across the street. Chris Jansen lived on the end of one of the cul-de-sacs. His dad was a retired Chevrolet dealer from Chicago. Um, I don't know. We were. You know, we were local little kids. I, you know, the friends I met had lived here for years, and it was fun. We'd run around like still, a little pack. Do you still meet a lot of friends here? You know, from your childhood. 
Uh, you know, it's that's kind of odd. You don't see, I don't see many people that I like went to school with or you know graduated high school with. You occasionally run into them. I, I saw Chrissy Morse today at, at Pastrami Dance. Um, Chrissy uh, Chrissy Collins is a married name. She married Robert Collins, a local guide, fisherman. Um, she's moved back to Naples, but her parents own Boat Haven. Um, they built Boat Haven in the 50s. Uh, now that's that, um, gosh, what is the name of that place? It's a, it's a whole complex of shops and restaurants and a marina kind of in the middle of it all. Next to Hotel Cove? Um, yes. Yeah, no, it's just past the second bridge on the Gordon River. Oh, I, okay. I can't think of the name of that. Um, anyway, I saw her today, uh, you know, graduated school with her. She was my first uh, girlfriend, quote unquote, uh, in fifth grade. We passed notes back and forth for what that's worth. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting that you, you, you know, you've been here since 60s and uh Uh, you probably have your own opinion about Naples, which we get to it, but it just must be really, really special to see how this uh, city would happen to it. I mean, from dirt roads and 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 shells on on the roads, and you know, uh, beaches that you could uh, you could have open fire and yeah. cars and park cars. I heard the stories from other people, but did you ever drive car in a beach? Yeah, no, I've uh, well, especially in the North End, um, before the Park Shore area was developed. They um, uh, they were filling that land, all that was being dredged in. I had a four-wheel drive pickup truck, a Chevy, and uh, we were out there a lot in that kind of marl and muck that they were pumping in. It's easy to get stuck in that. You always went out with a couple guys with a couple other vehicles to pull you out. We got so stuck one time, a bulldozer had to pull us out. It was like crazy. But you could run down the beach all the way to um, uh, Clam Pass. You could come from the north end, Benita, and drive down to Wiggins. Um, that was a big area that you could drive on the beach, but it was you know there was nobody there. It was it was just wide open. It was like a dirt trail or a sandy trail to get there, and then you know it was wide open. It was fun. I, you know we had a good time on the beach. I lived on the beach. I spent a lot of time on the beach. It was not illegal camp on a beach that time, right? Uh, you know I don't know. Yeah, I mean I, we camped you know down by Clam Pass a lot, or at Wiggins. We camped at Wiggins too before the park was there. Um, but that was kind of like high school days. You 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 drink. You'd, somebody bring beer, and you'd have a big cooler of beer, and you start a fire, and you'd end up camping for the night. Um, different life, right? No. Oh yeah, it was totally different. No it smartphones. No smartphones. <laughs> no. Everybody no was smart that days. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was smart, and uh, you had plenty to do. Well, and it and it took a four wheel drive to get down there. So you just you didn't have just everybody running around. I mean, it, you you had to work to get to. Um, those areas because it was it was rugged and sandy and full of Australian pine and palmetto and scrub and I don't know. So so when was the when was the moment uh, when Naples really grew in you? You, you? you were like, okay, I'm staying. Not that well, you had choice as a kid. But yeah, I didn't have a choice, but I, I think my parents were sold on it right away. My grandma in Fort Lauderdale, she was divorced from her grandpa, had moved there in 1955. My mom was a school teacher, so she'd take I was the only one really in school to start with. We'd, we'd get out of school in the wintertime, drive to Fort Lauderdale, spend three months there. We'd be homeschooled. I got two younger brothers. And on several of those trips, uh, Grandma Downs had a boyfriend, I guess, at the time. I didn't know it, but she had a boyfriend who was in Naples a lot for business. He had said, this would be a great place to raise your kid, raise a family. So my mom and dad were intrigued. They, they drove over. Uh, I think the Howard Johnson's was just built. Um, and we stayed for two weeks living at Howard Johnson's. They had like efficiencies there. It was on the corner of Third uh, Avenue South and 41. And they fell in love with Naples. And so he found a home uh, right there at the end of Creighton Road and, and Orchid to, uh, to lease. 
the following year, 62, we we moved into it, and I started school. My, my two brothers started, I started fifth grade, uh, Gary started third, and Mark started first. Wow. So what was your first job? My first job? Uh-huh. Uh, throwing the Miami News and the Miami Herald newspaper. <laughs> so you deliver newspapers too? Yeah, I did the Miami Herald in the morning and the Miami News uh, in the afternoon. Do you remember? Do you remember? So you, uh, yeah, you told me the story. I love it. Uh, do you remember which route was it? Say again. The, the route. My route? Yeah. Um, well, the, the Miami Herald I had um, from Fifth Avenue South to the Beach Club and from Third Street to the Beach. Uh, in wintertime, that was probably about 100 customers total. In the summertime, when a resident's gone, I was maybe throwing 35 to 45 papers. The Miami News was an afternoon paper, and, and at that time, they were, they were hanging on. They, they only lasted a couple more years since I started throwing it, or once I started throwing it. I had all of Ocalane Shores, all the same area I had for the Herald, plus I had from 3rd Street to 5th Avenue, from the Beach Club to 5th Avenue. So I had a big, a big leg uh, I wrote it, I threw it from a bike, but my Miami News route was maybe 30 or 35 papers. How long have you been doing that? Well, I did it for, well, I did it till I could drive. I think I was 13 when I started it. Maybe, I could have been 12. My mom said I had to get something to do in the morning because I was up every morning like at 5 o'clock, and she was tired of trying to keep me entertained. So she said, you got to find something to do. That's why I got the newspaper route. Oh, Five years, probably. Yeah. I mean, cause you, could, you could get a license at 16 back then, so I think I probably had it because I threw it as a motor route for a couple of years. Um, I don't know. I bought my first car with the money I made. I, <laughs> I, 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 how I, much I, was the money you made? I, how much, how much oh, you made? Is, we, yeah, we, we did okay. Christmas tips were good. You know, we're, we're you know, in, in the wintertime when we had all the customers, all the people were here, and it, the route was at its largest. Uh, we'd take a picture of us all stacked up on a pile of papers and my two brothers, and they would do... Um, Mark would do from, from 5th Avenue to 3rd Avenue. Uh, Gary do from 3rd Avenue to Central. And then I do from Central to the Beach Club for the Herald in the Morning Route. And so we'd get these three little kids stacked up on the papers. My mom take a picture. We'd make a bunch of copies. And we'd put it in the paper, you know, a couple weeks before Christmas. And, you know, thank everybody for their business. And, man, the tips poured in. I, I think... One year we got a couple thousand dollars in Christmas tips. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. So how much was the car? If you didn't tell us how I, much you made, how much was the car you I, bought? I, I bought an Opal Cadet wagon. Uh, gosh, well, how much was that car back then? I mean, it wasn't much. $1,200? Did you buy it from your dad's dealership? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> did yes. you? Yes, I did. So you get a good deal there, too. Yeah. yeah. Staying yes, from I, I, I think if you buy it somewhere else, you'd probably be out yeah, of no, the house. Yeah, no, he, he wouldn't let out. me do that, no. But but it was it was actually, I, mean, we bought, I bought the wagon because I could throw the newspaper from it. Um, it was a four-speed, little four-cylinder engine. Didn't have air. It was just a basic car. Couldn't kill it. I mean, you just could drive and drive and drive. It just was a really a decent little car, German-made. Maybe good thing is also you could sleep in it, wagon. Well, yeah, never had to. I was still living at home then, so well, I could you, sleep at home. You know, guys, the girlfriends. You know, you need a place to stretch. Uh, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to ask for details. Well, and I didn't do that. No, I. You know, I Car I'll just I'll, I'll take the path of uh, least resistance here and just say I plead the fifth. <laughs> I, I I I I enjoyed. I can my only imagine. And <laughs> it's a beach car on the beach. It's a wagon. <laughs> I mean, I got it. Everybody got the picture. Yeah. No, the the beach the beach episodes all started basically in high school, and and by that time I had a, a four wheel drive pickup truck. You had really interesting. Uh, 
a story about how people paid for uh, their, their newspaper that time. Oh, my God. Did I tell you that story about the old man behind the Gulf Hotel? Yeah. Uh, well, you, oh, my you tell, uh, we <laughs> both, both of us have uh, been here long enough. I, I mean, of course, I'm a very young person, so I haven't been here too long. Uh, but we both of us still remember the uh, old pharmacy in Fifth Avenue. And you told me how people used to pay for for a newspaper. I think everybody would enjoy this uh, this detail. How you know the billing was uh, issued oh, on, on Saturdays. Okay, so the the Miami Herald office, and for, and for a while the Miami News was in there too. But they finally went broke, or they I don't know they stopped producing the paper. So um, I was only throwing the Herald. So Tom Weeks and Tom Morgan were the two guys that ran the uh, the, the office here. Uh, Tom Morgan was the reporter. Um, he, he lived on like Westlake Drive, and Tom Weeks was the circulation manager, the station manager, the bureau manager, I think they called him. And so I would pay for my paper, papers weekly. And you'd always find Tom on a Saturday morning at the Rexall Drugstore. They had a lunch counter, and he would be there with um, um, sorry, you know, Roy Smith, Mamie Took. Uh, Roy Smith had the real estate company. Mamie was the president of the Bank of Naples. And here you um, go, all the names. Yeah, <laughs> That's John, what I'm saying. Oh, but you know, Ed Frank would be there. Had Naples Millwork. Uh, John Collins with the parts. He had a parts store. Um, God, who were some of these guys? Holy smokes! The Schofields, Miles Schofield. Um, they had the, the Doc and Marine business. Uh, his son Rocky. I was friends with Rocky. Uh, still friends with Rocky. Rocky. Rocky, I probably see quite often. Um, Oh, so they were kind of like having the, the, you know, their morning coffee would be the mayor of Naples, whoever that happened to be back then. I think Roy was mayor for a while. But they would be having the, you know, the big power meetings, you know, at the lunch counter at the Rexall. And I'd have to find Tom to pay my bill. That's where I'd go with my money I collected for that week and pay for my papers, basically. I'd, I'd pay for a week's worth of papers and, you know, I was good for another week. <laughs> and, and you, I mean, nothing was like really counted, was it? Uh, well, you know, I had to um, I had to turn in an amount of money that was equal to the number of papers that I got from them. So I'm like the middleman. I was buying the papers at wholesale, and then I was selling the papers retail to my customers. So there was a markup, and the markup was the money I made. Well, that was good. Yeah, that's, that's how they did it. They had little tabs on a, on a little booklet that you would tear off to give to a customer when they paid you. And, um, and it was all, I mean, it was very uh, intensive, hand-intensive. Hand labor-intensive it yeah. was nothing nothing fancy nothing digital obviously back then um yeah all manual and yeah there's a lot of you know trust i suppose so give, give us a picture of downtown that time i mean uh, we, let's start on fifth avenue and 41 going towards uh, all the stores and restaurants towards the beach okay so four corners so you've, um you had you had uh, naples liquors on the corner that would be the the southwest corner was Naples Liquors, and then it used to it used to be a bar, right? A swamp bar. Uh, well, so uh, opposite that, that would be on the the northwest corner, was uh, was a Gulf. Was that the Gulf Station or a Sinclair? Sinclair Station, and then across the little alley that's still there, where there where there's a bank now, was the um the not the, was that swamp the swamp bar. buggy yeah, swamp, swamp, swamp buggy yeah, lounge yeah, um swamp buggy lounge had a sunken bar had a like yeah, a, yeah. in the center it was kind of cool I still remember. I've been there did, twice. You, did you? Yeah, I, I mean it's all torn down now. Long ago, uh, the golf station was on the other side where the where the uh, the field is, the lot. Right. Right? That was the golf station, and Naples Federal Savings and Loan was on the fourth corner. That, that was four corners. Trailways bus station was behind Naples Liquors. Um, was there a train station? 
Yeah, train station's where it is now. Uh, the uh, Seaboard Coastline was still running a train. When did the train stop? 73? Do you know why? No, I'm pretty sure uh, passenger service was like, you know, almost non-existent. I think they were still delivering freight those last couple of years. The, the train was called the Orange Blossom Special that would come, a passenger train that would come in. I think it ran the last time in maybe 71. And I think 73, they finally, they, you know, they closed. No more trains were coming after that. I got a couple of pennies if I could find them that I ran, you know, had the train, the train run over. I got them somewhere. Oh, <laughs> you I really probably, put them there? Yeah, they flattened them out like yeah, little yeah. ovals, yeah. And, you know, you, you always did pennies because you could afford to lose those. Yeah. It, it, you didn't do a nickel or a dime. It, that's too much. Too much money. Yeah. So so where the train uh, track was going through? Uh, well, the train track came down uh, kind of like a long Goodlet Frank Road. Um, once it got to... Uh, 41 there was a couple of there was a lumber supply place there was there were several businesses right there like there was like a commercial district from oh gosh central I suppose from central or first avenue south to 41 and from uh, good at Frank which back then it was the train track it didn't the road didn't exist and they hadn't connected it yet good at Frank ended uh, behind Lake Park School. It, it served like where the post office is now. Mm-hmm. It served that little neighborhood back behind there because the post office wasn't there yet. But uh, the paved road stopped there. But the train tracks continued down to 41. So it did like a big loop so the train could turn around. Mm-hmm. And it had a couple sidings where it would offload lumber and things like that. Um, Could you, I mean, how far did the train went? Uh, Chutampa or where did Oh, you no, know? the train connected nationally to the National Railroad Network. Did, I you, mean, ever, you, could, did you, you ever jump on the train and go? No, I never, I never, I never got a chance to ride the Orange Blossom Special. Um, that, that train, I think, the Orange Blossom ran maybe out of New York City down to here. Or from yeah. the Northeast, I think, is where it originated. So, so do you know when this uh, whole train was built? Hmm. No, the train station, I think, was built in the 20s, though. Wow. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's when the tracks came in. You have to ask somebody that's got a little more grasp of the history. Yeah, there. maybe if you get somebody older than you. Yeah, they'd have but to it's be It's going to be really me. hard. because They'd be close to 100, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's really interesting that uh, you know some of, the, uh, some of the things that people don't even know existed. And I'm so happy that we have someone that uh, actually remembers an experience and throw pennies on the, on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> to get them run over, so you know that's that's just a great, great, great thing to you know just putting us in picture. How many how many stores uh, were in uh, like Fifth Avenue? Obviously, didn't look like what is today restaurants and stores and real estate yeah. offices, which are very important for us. So you know, so Fifth Avenue yeah. was the business district. It was it was it ran from Four Corners, uh, maybe a little bit past Four Corners uh, towards the bridges. Um, and it and it ended at Third Third Street and uh, and Fifth. Um, there was a Western Auto. There was uh, the Gulf Hotel. There was uh, there was a Five and Dime uh, McCrory's. I think it was called. Uh, the Dorlin Shop was a little dress shop. You had Naples Liquors at Four Corners. Uh, you had the Miami Herald office. You had the lawyer across the street, Ben Parks and Jim Elkins. I think they they had a, a law office there. And the building we're sitting on was already here. Well, now this building was here when I was in junior high school, so it was built before 66, 65. Um, there was um, there was a barbecue place in here that we'd come to uh, for for lunch or for dinner. I, I don't really remember what else was in here then. The, the barbecue was where the the Italian place is mm-hmm. now, or was it Chinese that's getting ready to open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. the Chinese restaurant opening. Yeah. 
That was, um, and on the backside was the slot car track. They had a big slot car track. Um, Naples, um, oh, the hobby shop, the hobby shop on Fifth Avenue. They had, uh, you know, the craze about slot cars, the 132nd scale and the 124th scale. They had a big slot car track back there. And I remember I had a manta ray that was pretty fast. I waited the, the little swing arm that kept contact with the track with a little bit of weights and tried to customize it. But there were guys that were way better than me, could drive them better than me. But it was fun. They'd have races and you could build your own car and race it here. I was on the backside. So as a kid, you had plenty to do around. Yeah, don't he, 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 he did money on the on a train or or under train or yeah. played little league baseball. Cars. Yeah, yeah, baseball, Tambier Park. Yeah, some of the first kids I met was at the ball field where the grandstand was. Uh, now there's the the war memorial is there, but there was a you know full size ballpark right there. Grandstand covered grandstands. Uh, they played uh, American Legion ball got played there. That's where our, I played Pony League in Babe Ruth. The Cambria Park uh, Little League field was where it is today. Uh, that's where I played Little League. And some of the first people I met, Eddie Frank and um, Stallmans, Russ Stallman, they, they'd play softball there on Sundays. And I showed up, tried to get picked up to play a little bit because I love baseball. And you know, I got to play some. That's where I met Eddie Frank. We, we were best friends for years and years. So what sport did you do actively? Um, I think I probably liked baseball the best when I was uh, when I was young, but I got I turned into a surfer sometime in my probably sometime between my sophomore my sophomore and junior year in high school. Yeah, um, I started surfing. I had a friend that was a surfer. Uh, I don't think you were surfing too much here. Well, I knew you know, whenever there were waves. The, the, the joke was we were Naples ripple riders. That was <laughs> what we were called. Hurricane but, riders. I mean, essentially, if you could learn to surf in Naples, you could surf anywhere because we always had kind of junky waves. They weren't really nice waves. They were windswell. Um, a cold front come through and there'd be surf, uh, occasional storms. You get some good swells from those. You had to wait for Mexicans to release the gas from uh, from all these burritos on the yeah. other side of Mexican Gulf. Well, there was an earthquake there one time that sent a nice swell across. An earthquake somewhere in the Gulf that had a nice ground swell. But we traveled a lot to the East Coast, yeah. you know, and I I got good at, at you know either hitchhiking there or um, getting talking somebody into it. They had a car to drive over, and by the time I was 16 and I had a car, I was I was driving over there myself. You know, you drive to Fort Pierce, start there, and work your way north up the coast and spend a weekend. Do you remember what was uh, uh, I don't know Coke, the price of the Coke or hamburger? Uh, I, I think the McDonald's hamburgers back then were 12 cents. Um, I don't know what a Coke was. Probably a dime. Yeah, you, just, you could eat on a dollar, or, you know, a dollar or less. I just, uh, you know, wondering. It's just like you're giving us all this gold uh, history and, uh, you know, the memories. And, and the, one day, maybe kids in the future will be listening and they just don't gonna believe it actually. <laughs> it's truth because they would Google it, you know. And well, you'd, you'd, you'd run into an area where it was having a gas war. You know, you'd... you'd, you'd find a gas station that's selling gas for 32 cents a gallon and the guy up the street was selling it for 29 cents a gallon and you go further into town and here's somebody selling it for 26 cents a gallon and then you'd have 26 these, cents yeah you'd have these gas wars so you could you could fill your car up for three dollars you know oh my god <laughs> that's amazing yeah so in today's context is very 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 amazing so you had a lot of friends you know life went by what was your first job I guess my first job was the newspaper. Yeah, but uh, that was a job. I, I, I'm sorry. Let me ask you this: What was your first job in your dad's company? Uh, yeah, lot lizard. Yeah. Or what lot, did you do? Lot boy. You, you wash cars. You wash the cars on the so, on the line. So he seriously, you park, you park them. seriously let you go from the from the bottom. Yeah. 
No, no, I, yeah, I learned everything from the bottom up. So how how this whole uh, family business started? I mean, uh, your dad getting you know dealership. Which one was the first, and and how this all started? Well, it started with the Buick Cadillac dealership, which is where the Cadillac dealership is today, and that was in April 1968. Um, he was a Chevrolet dealer in Indiana, and we lived in two towns in Indiana, Muncie first. That's where he was. Uh, he was born. He was from there. And then Martinsville, Indiana. So to get the context right, um, his two older brothers had a used car business in Muncie. Uh, their father, in the 20s and the 30s, was a DeSoto Maxwell, DeSoto Maxwell Dodge, and one other brand. I can't think what it is right now. I cannot believe you don't remember something. Yeah, it, it might. Maybe it was just DeSoto Maxwell and Dodge. You need to sip some of the coffee. Okay, so. That history, the two brothers, and he had passed. Um, I never met him. Uh, he died when my dad was young, and so his older brother Paul kind of raised him as the father figure. So Paul and Fred had a used car lot. My dad went into the army, paid for his college, came out, went to work for them, and at some point had the opportunity to buy an Etzel dealership or become the Etzel dealer in Muncie, Indiana. So he raised some money f- from his two sisters, Aunt Jane, Aunt Lucille, and he formed a company, a corporation in Indiana, and he became the Etzel dealer and sold Etzel successfully for three years. And when they went bankrupt or when they closed Etzel, when Ford closed Etzel, he was still operating, still in business, and so they had to buy his, his business, had to buy his business, his inventory. And I don't know exactly what they paid, but back then it was an, an enormous amount of money. And he was able to take that and with a loan from Motors Holding buy a Chevrolet dealership in Martinsville, Indiana in 1960. And he operated that until 1968. And we lived in Naples from 62 on and he would commute back to Indiana to, 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 to run the dealership. Um, he sold the Chevrolet store in 68 when he bought the Buick Cadillac in Naples in 68. And the way that came about was uh, a family named Whalen, I think it was Walter Whalen, originally had the dealership, um, the, the point they called it, to open a new point because there was no Buick Cadillac here. And it was a Buick Cadillac because Buick was the controlling division. That's why they were first. And he had, I think, a heart attack. He, he died in his sleep. I believe it was a heart attack. He had oh, maybe six or seven children. They were all girls. And back in those days, General Motors, there was, you know, they were not going to let the spouse, his wife, own and operate the dealership. They just, they didn't do that kind of thing. And so it became what they called an open point again. Um, he'd purchased the property where it, it sits today and um, even, I think, had a contractor hired to build the store. And so in the middle of, what, of that um, process, he passed away. So my dad had sold the Chevrolet store and was actively looking for a dealership in Florida. And he had already been approved for a Cadillac dealership, I believe it was in Delray Beach. Oh, I'm telling the story right. Del- it was Delray, I'm pretty sure, was a Cadillac store. The Cadillac dealer there had been killed in a hunting accident. My dad was approved for that. He had the money put together for that. And he was getting ready to kind of pull the trigger, if you will, when right here in Naples, Walter Whalen passed. So he switches application for this store or this point, and they, they approved him to be the dealer here. So he picked up where Walter Whalen, uh, Walter Whalen had, had left off in, in 
built a dealership and opened up in April of 68, and that's how it got started here. Wow. So just the, just the listening to this process, you know, it's just like you will never give up your dad's hard work when the, he started and how he started. It's just amazing to listen to what he had to go through to uh, basically, you know, continue his business and passion uh, here in Naples, Florida from Indiana. He, he was amazing. He was a risk taker. He, he was an entrepreneur. He was, he was, um, I mean, he, he's still alive, I'm saying was, but he, he, he believed in the product. He, he believed in General Motors. He was um, a car guy through and through. Um, like I said, my first job was, was taking care of the cars on the, on the lot, the inventory, keeping them clean, keeping them gas, making them, you know, parked in a straight line. Um, learned how to detail cars, washed in detail, worked in a detail shop, kind of worked my way through all the all the departments. So your dad is still alive? Yeah, my dad's still alive. He's 94. He? 94. That's amazing. My mom's 92. So let me ask you a question. I mean, did, when you bring him to your stores, and to the, especially the one that he started at Buick, that is still in the same place after all these years, I mean, does he say anything? Well, my, my dad suffers from kind of a form of... Um, of uh gosh what's it called like like it's like a parkinson's like um <sighs> it's, it's debilitating to his muscles he, he 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 doesn't have good balance um he's he's strong but the brain sending the signal to your hand to do this or to your foot to do that he's gotta gotta like look at it mm-hmm. he's gotta watch his foot move to make it move he's gotta watch his hand right, right, right. Pick, pick up yeah, a spoon yeah, yeah, or something yeah. So he stopped driving four or five years ago, and um, uh, we used to we used to drive him to the dealerships. You kind of drive him through because he liked to keep track of things. But I think probably he hasn't done that for the last six or seven years. He's he, you know lives lives full time at home. We've got full time care for him. But you you give you know, it, it, is what him, it is. You're giving him updates, right? What's going on? Well, he st- he still wants to know. Yeah, he still wants to know. And and my brother Mark, who runs all our operations now. Um, Mark still sends him a daily uh, a daily delivery sheet. It's called. Are you serious? No, he's, he's yeah. He's got an office at home. He still sends it over there. I mean, I guess this is the old generation. But if you stop working and mentally not involved in anything, you know, it's just the speeding speeding exit out of this planet. Yeah. I think this is probably one of the things that keeps him, you know, in good spirit and going. Yeah, well, it it keeps him interested. I know that. He, um, of course, he loves watching movies, though, too. If he uh, give you suggestions uh, how to, uh, or what to do decisions, would you listen? If he did today, I would. I would, I mean, I listened to him for years. I mean, he basically don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. Um, and treat your customers like you wish to be treated. Treat people like you wish to be treated. And, and you do. You know what? Uh, I tell you what. I've been uh, spending with you a lot of time lately, and uh, especially in the shutdowns and all kind of different reasons. We don't gonna go in that subject. Yeah. Uh, or, or understood. <laughs> yeah. Or being flooded uh, through our hurricane. We spent so much time together, and and uh, you know it's just like you just very special to me, and I'm I'm so happy. Uh, that you still have your parents and you can enjoy them, you know the way they are, and and uh, you even respect your dad that you would take his uh, business decisions or or suggestions. That's just special relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's turned everything over to to, to to us. I mean, years ago, we were um, we were we were buying our part of the dealership over over the years. Um, you know, in in a sense, I mean, a lot of people would probably think, well, you know, you, you inherit it or you get it. They give it to you. And and it's, and it's a corporation. It has shares of stock, and so you know it's a, it's a uh, family corporation. And we had 
to buy our, our stock, our shares of stock. We had to buy from our dad over time so that we are um, owners with the percentage of stock we purchased over the years. And, this and is that's so how we turned it over, I'm essentially. So, I'm so happy that you just clarified it because I'm sure there will be a lot of people that thinking, you know, somehow you end up just uh, being uh, fed with a golden spoon. And I know yeah, that's not your no, case. No, you got to, you got to, he kicks your butt and you got to work your ass off. You yeah, know, you're, you're, that's you're, old school. You're called the SOB, the son of the boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just awesome. And, and you better, you better be ready to do a better job in your job than anybody else can do in that job because they're all looking at you like, you know, okay, he's, you know, they're giving, they're cutting him a lot of slack. And it's like, yeah, no, no, not so much. So what, do you know what the, uh, your dad's favorite car was? Oh, That's I have no idea. He never told you? No. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know yet. I don't know that he had a favorite car. Well, you know, having all these cars, he probably had one which is, uh, you know, standing up out of the orders. Uh, I I kind of think his favorite car was the one he owned. No, that 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 <laughs> moment, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably didn't drive too much and put uh, it back in a lot. Well, we would we would joke. We would joke about used cars, trade-ins, you know, you you do appraisals on cars. And, and, you know, you're always looking for stuff. What do they need? Does it need to be clean? Does it need tires? Does it, you know, alignment, oil change? You kind of calculate these things in your head when you're evaluating a trade-in. Um, but once you own that trade and once you've made the trade, uh-huh. and no matter what its shortcomings were, that car becomes the nicest damn car you've got. It's right. like, oh, yeah, this thing's this is a gem, man. This is like, you know, the little old lady that drove it only to church and to the grocery store once a week and yada, yada. The good news is Naples had a lot of those kind of cars. It still has. Yeah. No, there's a lot of part-time like residents. Yeah. yeah. Part-time residents. They don't drive a lot. They leave a car here for, you know, the full year, but they're only here for three or four months of it. Um, so what's your favorite car? I mean, I've seen it today. It was I've, one of those, but just I, list yeah. out of the three or four dealerships that you can choose. Let's say Buick, um, uh, GMC, and, and Cadillac. American I, made. I, I love my truck. I've got a. I've got a GMC. Yeah, I've got a 2023 GMC heavy duty, the AT4 package, the diesel. It's it's I, it's the best truck I've ever had. Best truck I've ever owned. Really, it's the best truck I think made. Well, I I would uh, hope you say the Cadillac. Uh, you know the one that you drive the black. It, what is it? That's well, a beast. Well, you're. I think you're thinking about my 2017 Yukon. That's I got, correct. I got a GMC Yukon oh, XL. Oh, GMC. Yeah, that's yeah. GMC. But I I um. Your wife has Cadillac. My wife has yes. a Cadillac, yeah. I, what I did, you know, you could get the V in the Cadillac. They would supercharge a Cadillac. This goes back, uh, when did they start doing that? Maybe 10 years ago? You could get a V model. Um, they had the um, um, the CTSV. They had, fat, I mean, basically a Corvette engine in a Cadillac. And I thought that's such a good idea. Why didn't GMC do that with their, you know, with their line of cars? But they didn't. Only Cadillac was doing this. So I decided I'd make my own. So I bought a 2017 uh, GMC Denali. I stripped all the chrome off of it. Uh, I got a supercharger for it and um, had Cadillac put it on. Uh, we did headers and high-flow Cadillac converters and a full exhaust, did big brakes. And I, I kind of created my version of a V on the GMC Yukon. And it's just it's just a fun car. It's fun. Yeah. It's 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 um, sounds very fun car. Well, yeah, it's got a Borla exhaust and the high flow catalytic converter, yeah. so it, and, and headers too. So it, it's it's got a great great tone to it. Just it drives really good. It's it's fast in the right RPM range. Um, I didn't over uh, overdo the supercharger, so it's not running a whole lot of boost. We, I could I could increase the boost um, on so it, it's but I didn't want to stress the engine that much. And yeah, it's just it's fun. Technically, it's a ticket, ma- uh, ticket magnet. 
I will. I've let me think. I've not. I've, I haven't gotten a ticket in it actually. Well, everybody knows who does why. Yeah. No. I don't. I. I had. Um. I had a failure to obey a traffic device one time, which was a. a um, when was the a, last ticket you got? A Florida sheriff giving me a break because I was driving too fast. That was true. Okay. So well, I, technically, I did get a ticket. When was the last one? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if you cannot I'd, remember, uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, I it was it was it was a highway patrolman. It was a lady, um, and I, um, I I was driving to um, our daughter Claire was playing softball, so she was still fourteen. She's thirty something now. Wow! And, and a, she was she was in a tournament. Tournament. Robert Imuri was the coach. She was playing with the um, uh, the Naples Queens in a in a softball tournament, and they had a big break because of rain. So. I decided I was going to drive over to Indy Atlantic, which is um, where there's a surf shop called Longboard House, because they had a surfboard I wanted to get. And so I was driving from Plant City to Indy Atlantic, and I forget the road I was on, maybe State Road 60, maybe it was. And I was coming up to a curve, uh, you know, 55 mile an hour speed limit, and I was probably going maybe 80. And the highway patrolman came around the curve and hit me with the radar. Now, I hit the brakes real hard, but it wasn't enough to, you know, not get the ticket. <laughs> so, anyway, I got around the curve because we were fairly close to it, and I pulled over. The highway patrolman had to turn around, and there, it turned out to be a woman. She's on the other side of the curve, so she doesn't see me. Pulled over. So, I, I'm waiting for her, basically, because I know I'm going to get a ticket. So, I'm just pulled over. I'm waiting because I know it's going to happen. And she pulls in behind me. The lights are on. She gets out, and she walks up to the window. And the first words out of her mouth were, well, you took all the fun out of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already pulled over, like you know. Maybe that's she, why you got ticket. Well, so she's the. Well, I, I probably shouldn't. She gave me the ticket for failure to obey a traffic device, which is like rolling through a stop sign or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that kind of thing. Um, well, she and, was and it was, it was, yeah, she was totally. It, you know, I, I paid that fine, and you know, I think maybe it's it's three points, and I did the class so that uh, you know I re- wouldn't have any points. And, yeah. yeah, and I think that was the last ticket I got. Good. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to which car did you sell first in your dad's business? Which car did I sell first? Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh. No, I you, don't I don't remember the first car. No, you didn't. I I, I couldn't tell you. I was I hoping know. you would. No, I I don't I don't remember. Was it used or was it new? Well, I worked in the used car department first. So it was probably a used car, yeah. Most Because likely. you you were telling me a lot of stories and you know certain models, certain cars, and certain made are uh, were were done for certain people. Like you were saying, whoever was driving Cadillac was real estate agent. Well, no, the the real estate people back then did not want you to. I, I mean, I guess because oh, they Buick? didn't. Want you, they, yeah, they didn't want you to think they were making a lot of money or something. Oh, so that was Buick. They, they drove Buicks. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean Buicks. Yeah. So Woodrow Woodrow Cadillacs. Well, the retired folks, you know, the, the successful people that retired to Naples. We had, um, I think, the average age of Cadillac for years and years was like you know seventy-five or even eighty years old, is the average age of our customer. Um, the Buick age was slightly lower, but. Uh, It was it was just a different kind of an attitude back then, you know. You weren't you weren't trying to drive the flashiest car, or the most expensive car. You were. It was way more laid back, way understated. No, I mean, like, you know, no, nobody. Like today. Yeah, nobody in town. You you didn't know who was a millionaire and who wasn't. Um, the first the first two Cadillacs my dad the the dealership sold my dad sold them uh, was to was to Richard Samples, the developer of Port Royal, and and he came in and he bought 
there were there were three cars on the showroom floor. So he had three Cadillacs. He's, the way he tells the story, and and so he came in in a pair of khaki shorts and a t-shirt, and a little helmet on, like you would see, like a sun helmet, like you would see the you know, the old African safari leaders would have these little pith helmets on or something like that, wearing a hat like that. Um, looked like he'd just come out of his yard, and. Was it cash deal? Yeah, he bought he bought the the three Cadillacs on the showroom floor, or he bought two of them. The, the, the third one, he said, I want one like that, but I want it in black. And one he gave to his uh, sales manager, I think it was Thad Moss. Thad Moss got one. Um, Mr. Samples got one, and maybe his wife got the third, the one that they waited for it to come in. So, I mean, that was typical of most of the people that lived in Port Royal. They were very laid back, very understated. Um, much different from today clearly much different from today um there weren't the, i mean there were some big houses down there obviously there were some big houses on the beach but nothing nothing like now and i kind of that's what i miss actually i mean i miss the naples was much more of the you know the village kind of feel in the architecture and the traffic and the people all of that very very midwestern a lot of midwesterners here uh, i guess the, the first settlers were from kentucky so it makes sense and that, that, that ethos kind of stayed for years, well, well, well into the 80s, it was like that. So let me ask you a question, like there are certain businesses and certain families, like they just, uh, they are just the anchor uh, to the city, like Vince family. Do you know anyone from Vince family? Uh, well, I went to school with, uh, with Vin, Tommy. Vin, Vince Market. Right, yeah, I went to school with Tommy, TJ, he's my age. Um, the other, his younger brother Jerry went the uh, same age as my wife. Uh, or maybe that's Tim. I kind of I kind of forget now. Just, maybe it's Timmy. It was my wife's age. Uh, there was an older brother who caught me stealing bottles from the back of their store on Fifth Avenue back in the day. <laughs> well, empty bottles? Or? Yeah, yeah, empty bottles in the back. They had like an open. Uh, it was like a concrete block wall, but the open blocks. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they you, were deposit. Uh, yeah, and they were deposit bottles. So you could reach in and pull one, pull them out one at a time. And they were closed on Sunday, and me and who was that? Gosh, my God, I I'd probably I shouldn't say any names because I'll probably get them wrong. <laughs> and and you get them in trouble. But there were three or four of us anyway that were you know kind of getting the bottles out of there, and then we you know Monday we'd bring them back and get them five cents. Right, and I just we got them out of the back. It'd be like a you know a circle. Anyway, so um, uh, Tommy's older brother, and that's. Man, is maybe is there only? Can't remember his name, but he caught us. We're on our bikes, and so we run. And uh, I think he caught, I think he caught, he caught Norm, and Norm was on probation. So we oh, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we all turned ourselves in so that Norm wouldn't get busted. Wow. And, and you know, for having a probation problem. And that's called friendship. Yeah. You know, yeah. There was. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. These days, I don't think that exists. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I know, I know, I know a couple of the wins. Did you get in trouble? And well, for that, I got dressed down. I mean, yeah, I got in trouble, but you know, it was the kind of trouble that you get from your parents and from you know, friends and family. It wasn't like legal trouble, yeah. Um, and well, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, like a, a lesson learned. Is there any other family you can think of that you know owns like large business people know them and you just I just kind of imagine you know you come to the city or village as you're saying and and your dad is owning this dealership his name your name is on it everybody knows it and now you're running around and another family has name on it and another business and another business there uh, you know was that like you know you kind of knew everybody and and uh, and visiting yeah. their houses and you know be friends you you, you knew yeah you basically knew everybody um, 
you know, you, because you left the keys in your car, you didn't lock your door kind of a thing. It oh, was, we still it, do that today. I know. It was very, very relaxed in that way. But every, it kind of, yeah, everybody kind of knew your business. Um, I mean, you you would do something wrong. You think you got away with it. You get home and your parents already knew about it. Yeah. Because somebody that knew you saw you get, you know, get do what you thought you got away with getting done. And you're busted when you get home. That happened to me more than once. How um, many people at that time it was like more living in Naples? Oh boy! Any there, estimation? I mean, well, yeah, there was a point where, um, I mean, we're the Cadillac dealership, Buick dealership. We're, we're open. We're doing business, and I think maybe in the in the late '60s, early '70s, you know, the city was maybe full time residents around ten thousand or so, and maybe the county was thirty thousand or so. That's I can't. I can't remember that ratio was like three to one. Wow. Of of permanent residents, but then that would triple in the in the season. There's like you know? three communities these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people. I mean, yeah. The the town would turn into thirty in the city, and yeah. the county would turn from thirty to to ninety or hundred in in the season. Um, and I, I think that was probably the late sixties or early seventies. So let me ask you uh, this: You've been uh, uh, running or somehow participating in running the dealerships for how long? Um, since seventy-three, seventy-three. That's forty-nine years. Is that okay? I'll, I know, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I know exactly. Okay, I'll take that. That's yeah. whatever, whatever uh, the number is. So, so forty-nine years you've been running uh, or helping with family running dealerships, and throughout the process, how many all together you had? Can you name old, uh, old, you know, old models, uh, models, uh, brands of the cars that you had? Uh, well, in 2008, we downsized with the with that recession. Everybody downsized, right? So, so prior to that, we had Buick, Cadillac, Pontiac, GMC, Hummer, Isuzu, Hummer, uh, Volvo, Infiniti, and I'm missing Saab. Eleven. You right. know what my favorite card? No. What is it? Saab. Oh, I it, had Saab 900. Okay. Well, and, and the other day a Buick uh, convertible pulled up. Yeah. And, and and that was a design that General Motors was developing for Saab, yeah, yeah. but they sold it off, yeah. and so they gave it to Buick. I had 900, uh, uh, 1987. That was what, the key was on the floor between the seats. Yeah. Uh, I remember and, that. And, yeah, that was a good car. It was absolutely best yeah, car. Yeah. And the door was uh, probably 800 pounds. It was like a tank. <laughs> it was really. Yeah. <laughs> I was a long time <laughs> fixing the engine. And uh, since you know we Europeans, we well, put our hands on everything. I mean, it was it was a well-engineered car. I mean, they, you know, they the, the other job that those engineers has was was to build fighter jets. Yeah, so, that's correct. Yeah, and trucks. Okay. Yeah, Scania. That's basically the same. Okay. Well, that, what I do remember though is that we had a poster that uh, Saab sent us as a you know point of sale kind of poster that had one of these Saab jets flying you know over your oh, head yeah. like you're standing there at the end of the runway and you're sitting in your your Saab. As the jet flies over, and yeah. you know, in, engineered by aerospace engineers or yeah. something like that, it said, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, all these uh, cars that they've been somehow through our companies, and and uh, which one is your favorite now? You know, like, uh, I, I mean, sorry, I'm gonna fix this. All these cars that you had in all the companies, which which car do you think was best built? Is it American? Is it Swedish? Is it uh, what uh, Japanese or what is it? Well, at one time, when when General Motors finally got um, its stuff together and began to pay attention to the you know the details and the engineering and the customer use and feedback and 
really trying to achieve a, a customer satisfaction. They, the, the CSI that's turned into what it is today was, was Buick was the one that did that. Um, uh, that, that company was getting going that was measuring customer satisfaction in the first 90 days and it was a big deal to you know have, have one of your models get on that list. And so Buick was the first one that got there. It was a Buick LeSabre. Uh, did you ever had one or owned one? I mean, that, back then I was running the Buick store, so I had you know demos back then. Um, yeah, I had a LeSabre and I had a Park Avenue as demos. I had um, well, I had a Riviera one time. But I think Buick was the first one to really kind of get involved in trying to produce a car that wasn't the planned obsolescence kind of theory that uh, General Motors had worked with for, for, for years, for decades, actually. Um, and I, don't, I can't tell you when I would say that, uh, that they really turned the corner, but it wasn't until probably in the 2000s before General Motors as a whole really began to produce a car that was world-class in, in all their lineups. Uh, they had to because everybody else was just outstripping them. I mean, you know, from Germany or Japan or, or Sweden, for that matter, didn't, it didn't seem to matter where it came from. It was always better than a GM car, or the perception right. was that. But which one was the first? Probably the Japanese. I think uh, the I Japanese mean, kind of led the way on that. Right. There's real competition in the car business. I mean, it's, oh it's, god, it's, it's intense. Yeah. So, so tell me, what what do you see is like the big difference right now? I mean, probably a lot of differences, but the major difference between you know operating dealership today and 40 years ago. Uh, the internet and all the knowledge, all the information you can get about the price of cars, cost, invoicing. All that. The, so you know, the, the, mis- the mystery's gone from buying a car. Right. So it's, it's much harder to, to sell a car today than ever before. And no, it's, it's probably easier to sell a car today. What you almost have to agree on is, you know, what's the customer going to let you make? Oh, you know? okay. I mean, that's almost what it boils down so, to. So the seeds kind of turned. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It, well, I mean, maybe not recently. With this, between the storm and the short supply right, right, right. of cars... Over the last couple of years, it's not been that way. It's it's you know a lot of cars were selling for over sticker price, um, but again, you could you could at least say that the, the negotiation part of it um, is kind of gone, and and has been for a while. So even with it being over sticker, that was non-negotiable because there weren't enough trucks, there weren't enough cars, there weren't enough you know to supply the demand. And so the prices kind of reflected that. That's kind of what the, you know, that. So the customer is generally more educated and comes prepared and and come and get ready for the bottle. Yeah. Well, and and what they're expecting is, you know, at a higher level. I mean, Cadillac washes every every car that goes into the service department. Everything's delivered with a full tank of gas. Um, you know, you've got lots of follow-up calls. Everything okay? Do you like your car? We explain everything to you well. And that's what you learn over all these years how to do it properly, right? Say that again. Yeah. And that's what you learn over all these years how to do properly. Call people. Yeah. Give them a little extra gas. You know, wash their car. You know, Just vacuum be, the carpets. Be responsive. You know, be responsive to what they're asking for, and and deliver on that. You right. know, that's what you got to do. Um, you do that well enough, long enough, and you know, stand by your word. Uh, your, your word's your bond. Um, I mean, you know, doing the right thing is is a big deal. It's something, that's something my dad had kind of you know burned into my brain. Was always do the right thing. You know, you want to do the right thing, even when no one's watching. You know, you, you're that's how you drive your. That's how you run your life. That's how you live your life. 
Um, you know, leave things better than you found them. Um, always try to improve, in, improve on what you're doing, or if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Those kind of things. Now, when it, what you're saying is true passion. You know, when you when you're passionate about what you're doing, or who you're doing it for, that's where people see the difference. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we have a great word of mouth reputation because we've stood behind, you know, our our, our cars, our products, our services. What is your for longest, a long, long time? Longest working employee in the company. Uh, well, recently Ben Hunsetter just retired. Um, he came to work for us in 1972, and he just retired January or December, right before Are Christmas you this year. No, I'm serious. Yeah, and prior to that, it was Bob Porras, the Lube Tech. Um, wow. He came to work for us in 1968. He was a, he was an original employee. He retired, but he retired five or six years ago now. So f- somebody worked for you 50 years. Yeah, yeah. They Benny, gave you Benny Hunsetter. Yeah. Oh my God, that's more than family. Yeah, no, Benny, Benny was born family. Sometimes family doesn't stay that long. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 we had uh, Ben came to to the Christmas party, and we kind of combined that to make it a retirement party for him too. And back in the day, Benny lived near the dealership. Um, always had a refrigerator in his garage that had beer in it, and he had come down from uh, Ohio. And if I was ever running low on beer on a, a, you know, it could be the middle of the night, I would stop at his house the side door was always open I could always grab a beer or a six pack out of his refrigerator and just replace it the next couple of days and that's back when I drank I, I don't I, I quit drinking in, in 87 but, but back then I was still drinking and so I was sure that out of all those times I'd probably you know gotten beer out of his refrigerator I had, I had not replaced all of that so I went to that new store that opened like wine country or something just this massive store full of wine yeah, and we, booze. Call, we call that store pharmacy yeah well okay yeah so And and I was looking for Stroh's beer because I knew he drank Stroh's beer back in the day. Well, it turns out Stroh's not made anymore, or if it is, it's made regionally up in Ohio. So I couldn't find that. So I found a couple of good. He's German descent, so I found a couple of good German beers for him, and I bought a six pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon PBR. We we have it here. Yeah. Well. So anyway, so at his at his uh, party on that uh, at the dealership on the showroom floor at Cadillac. Um, I said to him, I said, Ben, you know, uh, I, I got a lot of beer in your refrigerator over the years, and I'm sure I owe you a six-pack or two, so here. And I gave him those beers, and I said, here's, I'm, I'm, I finally paid him full, uh, you know, so, you know, did he know, I feel uh, good now. Did he know you? <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's good. You kind of ended the, the relationship, either working or working. Right, and, and it was like I'm paying the debt, you know. I yeah. want to make sure that amend is made. Did you, did you give him interest on the beer? A couple extra bottles. Um, I did. The PBR was a 18 pack. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the and the two German beers I picked were like you know like the best ones in the place. So how many employees do you have? Uh, you know I don't know off the top of my head um, exactly. No, is that 70 something um, between Buick, GMC, Subaru, and Cadillac? Man, no, it might be it might be a bit over 100. Yeah, yeah we might be just slightly over 100. And your brother is running the companies right yeah. now? Yeah, my brother Mark runs You officially retired. I'm, I'm retired from any daily operations and have been for years, uh, since um, probably 2005. And you have yeah. plenty to do? Yeah, so I'm, if, if you allow me, I'm kind of like a glorified property or facilities manager. Um, we, we own... You know, dealership facilities that require maintenance or work, or you know, the manufacturers want you to build something new that meets a new image program. You know, the Cadillac dealership is new. Uh, back in 2015, um, we upgraded or remodeled the Buick GMC for you know those those image guidelines. 
Um, Subaru, we've done the same over the years to get it up to what they, they uh, their image program. I forget, I forget what it's called, but um, that kind of work. I built the airport road dealership uh, that now is uh, the St. Matt's house yes. in 2001. Uh, up in Benita, we still have facilities up there that we lease. So, you know, I manage those properties for, for our DeVoe Family Limited Partnership. That's, that's, like, is there a chance that's my you, job. Is there a chance you think you're going to expand? Take some um, dealerships back? Uh, you know, occasionally Mark and I talk about, you know, that kind of thing. But mostly it's expanding our footprint because what we're selling now is selling well. Um, we recently purchased a property just to the south of us. Um, you know, the lamp shop and the little daycare center and the, and the waterworks. Uh, we're landlords there now. Um, you know, at some future date, that probably becomes dealership facilities. But for now, we, you know, we've got good tenants in there, and, and that's going well. Um, How so, do you, yeah, so the so the footprint maybe expands, but it's hard to say if there'd be a franchise because it's uh, you know it, it, it would depend. So how do you see your uh, name on the buildings in the future? I mean, is there uh, another generation coming in, and and is uh, do you do you already teaching them how to take business over, or what's the plan? My brother Mark has got his son Rich. That uh, Richard um, is the sales manager in. Um, at Cadillac, he's the uh, he's the general sales manager over all the sales force, new and used. Uh, my daughter Ann works in the in the BDC, the Business Development Center, but she does more than just run that operation. Uh, she does all customer service, all CSI related activities, all the phone work, all the uh, computer work, all the internet stuff. Uh, she's in charge of that. Um, she's part of the hiring process. Uh, you know, f employees that are considered to be hired, she participates in an interview. So there's two of the uh, family that are actively training to be a part of it as a future generation. You know, that's probably more than we need, but uh, you know, that's it's, it's hard to say how you hand it down because my dad passed it on to us in his way. That would have to be different nowadays because the laws are different, the way taxes are calculated and all that. So um, family family businesses are tough to pass on yeah that's what and i'm asking because yeah. i think i think this whole community i mean you've been donating money and being part of the community and everybody knows you and i think uh you know i i i think a lot of people just buy the cars because you know they they know you've been here for a long time i think it's just good to know that you're working on to pass another generation that would be number four It, it, I mean, it's, it'd be the third generation. Third generation. Right, it'd be third generation. And, and uh, you know, just, just uh, seeing some of the names on the buildings, you know, for a very long time. It'd yeah. be part of this whole city, divine in Naples. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to keep these businesses that started this whole, you know, uh, small town and growing into monster right now and, um, you know, still being here for future. Yeah, you'd like to think that family businesses will be around for a long time. It, it, that's getting harder to do and the only way you, you can you can really you know secure that is to invite people <laughs> to your dealerships <laughs> <laughs> and i would i would sure, definitely yeah, yeah. recommend and I, i you know i do um you know every single person that uh, that is uh, about to purchase car give you a chance because you know it's important to keep uh, this uh, rolling to another another years another 20 30 50 years and and just be you should hopefully you have the old sign which started maybe somewhere in the storage no uh, my brother gary he lives in vermont <clears throat> and he's he's got um a collection 
Can uh, you imagine that? Uh, I think he's got a couple of the old signs. Yeah. I believe he does. Yes. Just pull it out one day, and it would be hundred years. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. If, if, now, if that happens, it's going to be at Gary's place in Vermont. Yeah. Because <laughs> one day, yeah, maybe, maybe he will. You, you will, you will have the the sign on the building. What do you know? Well, you know? I, uh, he's got the Hummer sign. Yeah. Yeah. From Bonita. From Benita, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to convince everybody that we should turn that into a, a you know, like a strip club called Hummers. <laughs> Hummers. Yeah, and you know, it's Lee County, and they allow that kind of thing, but uh, I, I couldn't get any consensus on that. So, yeah, well, if so, you, if you, so going, we sold it to the boat people. If you're going in that business, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I'll participate. <laughs> I have microphones, and we can make a music. Well, I mean, we might have got really rich off of that, but yeah. it, it, you know, it didn't work out. <laughs> well, you probably you would never know now. Yeah. Mm. So um, let me just uh, let me just wrap up with uh, the, this whole business. So people can find you on the website, which is devoauto.com, uh, and they can call two three nine two six one one two three four if they are interested to purchase any car. Yeah. Which would be Buick, GMC, Subaru, and Cadillac. Yep. And uh, either and used or new. Yeah, used have, cars. We've we got plenty. a ton of used cars. And I'm I'm really happy we could you know we could kind of uh, explore. Uh, and and uh, make clear what the divorce stands for, and that's quality, and the relationship. Yeah. And we created a relationship here over, you know, what three years, and uh, I, I I have to tell you, I enjoy every evening, every night when you come and and have a coffee with me, and you know, I've been working here very hard. Uh, people didn't see it because it was dark, and a lot of them are sleeping. But me and you. We're fixing the world. Yeah, we, we kept some pretty weird hours yeah. there for a while. <laughs> We've been through. <laughs> Even now, I mean, what is it now? Is it 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night? I don't want to tell you because <laughs> you're going to say you're sleepy. But uh, I'm so happy we are here because, uh, you know, we normally, uh, we're normally talking and we know recording, but, um, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been, through all kinds of different conversations with all kinds of different people here, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, yeah. in curfew and in the shutdowns and six feet away. We never hold that six feet away or mask, but you know, I'm, I'm so happy we can sit here today and kind of, you know, officially put you here and, and record this because uh, you're very special to me. And I want you to yeah, know That's nice. that I enjoy every moment uh, to have you around. Because the sense of humor and and that just you you know being uh, me a part of Naples is very special to me. Well, Naples has always had its fair share of characters. Well, you are one of them. Well, I'm I'm thinking you're one of them too. Oh no, <laughs> I, I hide, make sure nobody knows how I look yes, like. Some people that chase me and oh, those are the best characters. And, the one that uh, are kind of on the edges there, going, "Who is that guy? I think I've seen him before." Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> so I should I should. He's watch always out. around. What what's that scooter? Is he got a scooter? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Incognito on scooter. Yeah. So I want to thank you for you know sitting down here with the coffee that you finished successfully. It's actually officially um, <laughs> midnight and 26 minutes oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah it is and it uh, what is today right now it's 9th of uh, february so it's a thursday then. yeah 9th of february 2023 most people already sleeping or went to the bed and we still uh creating this content so for generations to come and listen so you know divine naples podcast is back because we want to bring uh people from naples and and uh, their stories and i hope you enjoy this story because it's just uh, really something special to listen to you know, people that have lots to say. And, and I have to tell you, you have lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, this is not the last time. No, my wife says I talk way too much. Well, your wife doesn't know how much you talk because you're not with her. You're more with me. <laughs> yeah, well, she's a great gal. And, and, uh, You've been I together mean, how many years now? 
Uh, we're married uh, going on our 43rd year. Oh, there you go. So she should know. She does know. Yeah. I'm a talker. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, that's I, I, was, I was a talker when she married me, and I'm still a talker. <laughs> Something you never lose. So is there anybody would, uh, you would um, you know, nominate for this and uh, tell me this guy, he sh- you should talk to him? Oh, you mean for like a, uh, this podcast yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Let me think on that. Oh, I guarantee you there's somebody we could uh, I could come up with. Somebody yeah. that can share something special. Hmm. Uh, let me ruminate on it. I'll come up with something for you. You remember the gentleman you met here one day? Uh, he owns insurance company. Oh, no. Let me think. That was so pure when you when you met him. Uh, Rosen? Rosen Insurance, is it? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was so pure to see he, you. Yeah, yeah, he, both he, of you recognizing each other after so many years. Oh God, yeah, he had a '78 Buick Lesabre and, coupe. And, and here you go. Yeah, oh, people, that this is what it is. I remember uh, the car, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Donald Devall. Remember people by cars. Yeah, he had a '78 Buick Lesabre coupe, a two-tone one. So if you never bought car from him, he would not remember you. So if yeah, I, yeah. I just want to suggest to you, if you wanna. Be remembered by Donald Evo. You have to run to his dealership to buy a car. (laughs) No, it was really, really special to see you standing. It's daylight. You clearly see the face. And then both of you staring at each other. And and you go like, hey, I know you're from somewhere. It's just how many years I haven't seen each other? 30. Wow. Probably 30 years. Wow, he, and, and, he, he, and you you reestablished the relationship here. It was fun talking. He was he was a great guy. He had was he, was it State Farm or Allstate? He was he was one of the one of the agents that he became the owner of the agency. Worked his way up. I think he originally worked for Smith Lesher Insurance. I think, um, but he had a '78 vehicle Saber two tone that had the big V8 engine in it. Uh, he didn't want a sedan. He wanted he wanted the coupe. He liked the two tone style, and um, I'm gonna say Bob Rozier. Yeah, Bob Rozier is his name, and he's gonna be here on a podcast too. He's yeah, talking. He'd be good. Yeah, he's he talking. You know, and there's like Len Warrick. Uh, he was another insurance agent that uh, I think he he retired, um, and he moved out west because he loved to hunt and he hunted with a bow. And I think he went to work for like the National Park Service, like in Yellowstone or something. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of people that uh, over the years I've gotten to know. And lost track of them, totally lost track of them. I mean, kids that I went to school with um, that are successful business people around town, you know, Naples Millwork, Eddie Frank, um, his dad, uh, Bubba, and, and before him, Ed. Um, they're the inventors of the swamp buggy. Ed, Ed Frank created a swamp buggy out of a model, model. I think it was model, model T or Model A. We need to get him here. Yeah, but they're, yeah, that family's, you know, they're kind of dispersed now, too. They got places in North Carolina and... Uh, California. You're gonna have to make some phone calls for us. This was not that painful, yeah, okay. was it? No. Uh-uh. You like that? Did we did we, did we really talk for an hour? I mean, we actually talked for more than that, and I'm <laughs> glad we did because I don't want to agree with you longer than that because I'm gonna get in blacklist. Not that I'm not there yet with your wife. You know, she. <laughs> yeah, she, I should probably go she home. She already probably gave warning <laughs> and uh, warning shot out of the window. Yeah. Well, I turned my phone off, so I guarantee you when I turn it on, she's probably gonna say, "Are you are you done yet? You done yet? You coming <laughs> yeah, home?" Yeah. Well, I'm mean, trying to make you celebrity bigger than you are, so I'm glad uh-huh. we did this, and and I wanna. I want to thank you, and uh, just remember, if you think somebody special that we should uh, hear the story, 
I'm here. I wanna, I wanna know everything about everybody here from Naples that have been here for a while because it's we need to preserve those stories. I think, you know, this is the this is the thing. The generation after generation leaves, and and all these stories leaves with them. And obviously, that's, we can yeah, that's cre- true. We can create something that uh, you know, some kind of. Um, you know, memory line when when people are around and, and you want to hear their voice and you can just hit the play. Well, and, the Naples Historical Society was doing um, that kind of thing with some of the real pioneer residents, uh, getting them to sit down and kind of tell their stories. Um, I, I suppose they're probably still doing that because I think their goal was to kind of create that fabric of stories of the pioneer people from, you know, the the, the early 1900s, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, you know, who were he, who were the people that were here and who kind of made Naples a place, um, you know, a hunting destination, a fishing gla- destination. I will gladly take after them. Yeah, right. This is you're, what you're saying is kind of the same thing. It'd just be later generation, later generation. Yeah. I you just, know, I, I just stick my mouth on top of the mic. That, that's that, okay. You might have to fix that. Yeah, oh, you can lick it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a wonderful family. I, I met uh, most of them, and and I just uh, another thing is, you know, if they want to hear your voice and they're lonely, they can listen to this and <laughs> and tell you, hey, Dad, you shouldn't say this. You embarrass yeah. our family. Yeah, that's well, what's gonna know, happen. My wife will listen to it, and she goes, "Well, I don't think that's exactly how that story went. I, I remember it differently." Or because something. you told her a different story, <laughs> right? I mean, she corrects me all the time, so yeah, I, I figure, you know, usually guys go with her. Usually, guys then they don't they don't tell the same story to wives. You know, they it's just kind of uh, put a different color there because they know what they would really sing. Yeah, well, the names can change, but the people say the same. I don't, I don't something like that. There's yeah, the, the, the size the size of the fish usually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. how many you caught. Yeah, yeah. we had to put some them back you know yeah. there's, there's 20 30 40 50 million and they've all been big and bigger and bigger depends who you're telling the story yeah yeah all right so thank, thank you, you very much again for being here and uh hopefully we can do this again if you will uh, bring some more stories uh, to our table outside <laughs> i will i will start kind of making notes because <laughs> this is, you have so many of them and the names are just <laughs> just impressive every time you just throw names and i go yeah I, like you're talking to me like i was here 60 years <laughs> it's so funny well i miss money's barbecue so. uh, it's awesome so thank you very much for being here and and um, you know have good luck with all Thanks. the business and um, hopefully you know people just uh, will like your voice and and uh, they don't know the look but if they uh they waiting for christmas they may hire you they may uh, make some extra money uh, because you if you let let the white uh, snowy hair <laughs> under I, your nose I, I, going I need, I need a backup plan that, yeah that, that could exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you're perfect for it. <laughs> right. So thank you. Thanks, thank Richard. you. Um, um, for now. Bye. Right. Now you're back.